It's so good to have you here this morning. So good to have you with us. Now, I'm gonna have you go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter two. And if you are new to Grace, first of all, it is great to have you here. I am, my name is, is Keith, I'm the, the senior pastor here. And uh, man, it's just, it's just great to have you here this morning. Now, we've got a lot of things that are going on. And, and so the best thing to do, download the Church Center app. You can keep up with all the different events. But I hope you will join us tonight for our Next Steps class. I have so much fun teaching. We do a lot of Q&A, and uh, man, hopefully you'll join us tonight at 4 p.m. We're gonna, have a, we're gonna have a blast. But you know, I, I'm just gonna tell you right now, there, there is a date in history that I'm never, ever going to forget. A date in history I'm never gonna forget. You know, yesterday, that, that hashtag showed up time and time again, never forget, as well it should. We'll never forget what took place on 9-11-2001. And on that day, we had an enemy that thought that he, that thought they could break America, but isn't it interesting in the face of that tragedy how America came together? And I've been praying that God will continue to, the, to actually allow us to live up to our name, United States of America. But we'll never forget what took place 2001. Some of you will never forget where you were and what took place when you got the news that JFK had been shot. That's before my time. I'm young. Some of you made me We'll never forget what took place when you heard that Pearl Harbor had been attacked. Maybe you're a little kid and you still remember what took place. You know, there are some defining moments in our history, but it's not all tragic or crisis moments. There are some other, there's some other moments. I mean, anybody gonna have a birthday this week? Let me see your hand. If you're gonna have a birthday, anybody gonna have a, all right, we got Mary gonna have a birthday. That is amazing, you know? I'd sing happy birthday, I don't want to. But, I, but I, I'll sing it to you personally later, Mary. I'll never forget June 19th, 1999. Now you're like, that doesn't mean anything to me. Well, I don't expect it to, but it's the day I got married. I'm gonna tell you what, I'm never going to forget that day. I still remember, man, we had, the, we had an organist that was there. We got married in this chapel and, and they, they hit that. It was a big old organ and they hit, da, 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 da. And I'd done this weird thing where I'm like, I, I, I'm like, I am not going to look at her until like she's walking in the aisle. So I'd been standing up there with like the grooms when I'm looking like straight ahead at the wall. And as soon as I heard the bridal march start, man, I spun around, I'm like, Oh, yeah. Now, I didn't say that out loud, but I could have. <laughs> it was awesome, man. And dude, here she came, and, and I'm like, it's gonna be the best day of my life. And man, I'm gonna tell you what, amazing. It was, I'll never, ever forget that day. Now, it's funny because Lori and I, we, we got married in 1999, so it's been, what, 21 years? And um, we just, you just, you just don't know what you don't know when you get married, right? I mean, you just don't know. In fact, I was, we have a big, a big picture from our wedding day hanging in the, in the bedroom. And I was looking at that picture and, and I was thinking of that. I was like, man, those two kids there. <laughs> oh, I'd like to go back and just <laughs> smooth out some of those rough places. Because here's the deal, man. We were followers of Jesus Christ. And I think we had this assumption that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then man, by default, your marriage is going to be great, man. No problems. Like if there are going to be any times where you start to fight, uh, have intense moments of fellowship, that in those moments, 
Man, God just miraculously, the Holy Spirit's gonna sweep in and just peace is gonna flood. So it's gonna be like Jesus on the Sea of Galilee, peace be still. That did not happen. I'm telling you right now, it did not happen. You know, you have these ideas that, that, man, if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, then, I mean, everything is gonna go the way that it should. Now, you know, when you go into marriage, you, everybody has different, different things that they're thinking about. Like, I, I know this is a generalization, but like a lot of girls have actually, like, planned and thought about their wedding ceremony for like years. Do you guys know that? Like years, which made it easy for me. Lori like had a strategic plan that she laid down, 27 pages. I'm like, yeah, that looks, looks good to me. You give us some, listen, some thought, man. That's I'm teasing, but I'm just saying, you know, girls are, man, they're, they're thinking about, they're thinking about the wedding day. Now guys, they got their mind on something else. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not gonna just, you, we know what we're talking about. But you go, into, you go into marriage, we have all of these different perspectives, and I think we have this assumption many times that just because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, everything is going to be perfect. We're never gonna have any of those arguments about, about like the, the tube of toothpaste, what you do with that, or the thermostat, or, or like toilet paper, does it go on this way or this way? By the way, just had no idea that that was a thing that even like that mattered. And I now have a very firm position on the right way to put the toilet paper on the holder. Lori has trained me well. I'm just saying that. I mean, we're, we're good on that. But no, you, you, just, you just think that, that, you know, it is just, it's just going to happen naturally. But you know what we found out is that marriage is so much more than what we think marriage is, marriage is finding the right person. Because can I tell you this, that when you get married, you're not the right person. I've learned that God, in his grace, one of the greatest tools that he uses for our sanctification is allowing us to be part of a family. And a family's not always easy. It's not that they're, you know, like, like, fam- like everything goes, well. it, it doesn't. There's, there's stuff that you have to deal with, stuff that you have to go through. But I found that through all of this, it's not like God leaves us helpless. And we're in this series called Let's Talk About Family. And we've been looking about what God says about this. And last week we talked about that, the fact that a godly family begins with a godly commitment. And today I wanna go ahead and just introduce my big point that we're gonna talk about uh, this morning. In fact, if you're taking notes, maybe you have your sermon guide or, or you've got the, the app up on your phone, you can follow along. But, but I, I want you to write this down. A godly marriage has a godly purpose. I had somebody, this is not, not recently, but I was preaching through the, a series on the family and somebody said, you know, I just don't, I think you, you shouldn't be spending time talking about this. We need to talk about getting people saved and talk about the gospel and, and all this sort of thing. Well, I just, I let the person know, and I want us to know this morning that one of the greatest testimonies to the power of the gospel is a godly marriage. And I don't want you to miss this. The Bible begins with a marriage and ends with a marriage. And I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that one of the greatest, the, the greatest cons, uh, means by which we understand the gospel is marriage. And if God, God, felt that the family was important enough to hit from spirit, we're gonna hit this, guys. Because what I found in this day and age, the, 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 the godly family's under attack. 
There's, there's a, lot of, a lot, lot of things that we want to buy into. And a lot of us won't, won't want to settle for a form of godliness instead of embracing what it means to truly follow God in every area of life, including our families. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some fun as we jump in and look at this because... God has something to say about marriage. Verse 18, Genesis chapter two. Give you some context. God has created, he's, he's spoken things into existence. And, and I love Genesis chapter one, going into chapter, going into chapter two. When God creates something, it's, it's, he, he creates and then he evaluates. God creates and then he says, oh, that's good. That's good. That's good, that's good. In fact, all through this, up, up, to, up, up to through verse uh, chapter two, we see him saying, oh, that's good. And we get to verse 18 for the first time, God says, that's not good. You know what he says? He says, it is not good that the man should be alone. And I don't know if you're, a, if you're an underliner in, your, in, in the Bible, but I, I would dig out a pen and underline this next phrase. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Um, I've been doing a little research. I don't think God created the cat though. I don't think that day that... Anyway, I, 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 that's a whole nother thing. We can talk, send me an email. We'll, we'll get through it. Then the man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, here we go again. We see it again. There was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God, while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. I want to pause there. Just hold on a second, keep your Bibles open. We're gonna come back. There are a few things. Today, I've gotta break out some information because we gotta lay a foundation. We started last week laying a foundation for the entire series. We're gonna talk about godly marriage. I just wanna make sure that we understand what God's talking about here. And the first thing that, I, if you're taking notes, I just want you to write down. First thing we learn is this, God created marriage. Marriage is not the invention of man. Like it wasn't like a guy and a girl like, hey, you know what we need to do? Let's make a lifetime commitment to each other. It's gonna be marriage, you know, it's gonna be awesome. And let's, let's, let's have this like ceremony where we invite people to come and we'll have hors d'oeuvres uh, at, the, at the reception and, and like a, a really cool band. That's not what, like it didn't start with man. God is the one that created marriage. So I think it's really, really important that we, that we understand that because this is, this is significant as we're gonna, as we're gonna dive in. And there was a, there's a reason God did this. God looked at Adam and he's like, it is not good. The man should be alone. And like every husband should be like, yeah, amen, I believe that. It is not good. And so God goes and he does something about this. And it's interesting when he says, I will make a helper fit for him. It's, it's important. I, like, I'm not one of those guys that says, hey, let's do a Hebrew word study while we're standing up here. Um, you know, that's not the point. But at the same point, I, I do think it's important that, that we understand what's going on here. And so I, I would just say this. Um, there's some great tools that, that you can use for research, like to dig, like 
If you can just write down like blueletterbible.com. It's just an incredible way. You can actually look down the meaning of words and all of this. And it's really cool because there's something here that's packed in that, that's important. First of all, helper is, you know, it's, it's a great word. We get helper, but the context of this, this particular Hebrew word that's used here, all through scripture, it is used primarily in a military context. God calls himself in the Psalms and, and in the prophets, he, he refers to himself as the helper of his people. And usually when this word shows up, helper, he's talking about, he, he's like, Israel, your army, man, you got your armies, but you are way outnumbered. And as your helper, man, I'm coming in and I'm taking, I'm, I'm taking care of business. I came in and I destroyed the enemy. I did this, I've done that. You needed help and I rescued you. I am your helper. It's within this military context that almost every single time this, this word is used. And you're like, well, I guess there's sometimes in marriages, it's a military context, you know, the fight is on, let's do it. No, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about here is, is this word. It, it, it means that it's not good for man to be alone. Man's outnumbered. Let's send in the reinforcements. Come on, ladies. This is where you say amen. Let's send in the reinforcements. This guy needs some help. And he, he sends, he creates Eve for Adam. And there was, an, there was a reason why he did this. It's very, very important. But it's not just this. This is just the significant part, though that's significant. A helper fit for him. Okay, that word fit, what, what, is, what does this mean? And, 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 and what do you do? Because the English translators did their best thing. But that word fit, we don't have an equivalent word in the English language to perfectly, uh, tra- to perfectly describe this. It means like opposite. And you're like, that makes absolutely no sense. Like, is it like or is it opposite? He gave him a helper like him. He gave him a helper opposite him. No, it's like opposite. And I was thinking, man, what, what's, the, what's the best way to illustrate this? And, and what I would say, is, it's like, it's like two puzzle pieces. Two puzzle pieces that fit together are not identical puzzle pieces. They have totally different parts of the, of the puzzle. They're not identical in any way, yet they fit together. And so when we see this, God, God created a helper fit for him. He uses this, this idea of, of like opposite. They're, they're perfectly, they, they perfectly complete each other. They're complementary. Not like complimentary, like, hey, you look really nice. Though that, might, that won't hurt anybody to do that. I'm talking like, like complete, complementary. And this is, this is actually a, a beautiful thing here. And so what, what we're being told here is that God is sending Adam and, and actually on the other side of this, God is, is gonna send Eve, another person, someone with enormous power, but power that's very different, like opposite. That, and and, and this, is a, this is a person who helps in what way? Well, it's into your life and marriage comes a person of a different gender, a person with, with mysteriously profound differences. In fact, sometimes the, the, the differences are almost impossible to find, but we're just different. Like anybody marry somebody that's exactly like you in every way? No, no. In fact, I'm gonna take a little rabbit trail here. Um, if, if, if you attend here at Grace or maybe here today and, uh, and, and you identify as gay, I want you to know something. I'm really glad you're here. 
Like, I, I, love, I love the fact that, man, wherever we are, we're coming here. And, and guys, I want, I, I want to preach the gospel. I don't care who you are, where, where we identify, where we find ourselves, okay? And so, man, I, I, God's called us to love people. One of our, one of our, uh, one of our core values here at, at Grace is valuing people. We believe that every person matters. For God so loved the world, everyone, that he gave his son to die. But I want, I want to come back and, and say something. Um, though, though, man, you, 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 anybody and everybody's welcome. Man, I'm, I'm really clear what the Bible says about homosexuality and, and why God, God has broken this down. And it's because there's this like opposite term. There, there, there's a completion that has to take place. And, and, and even as we understand this, it, it actually breaks this down for us, why this is so significant and why this is so important. You see, what we're going to see over the next couple of weeks is that what God does is he brings these two very different people, they're different in every way, in gender, in, in personality. Man, sometimes we have radical difference of, of takes on things, like totally different, like, like one person likes this restaurant, this person likes that restaurant, or you like this style of music and you hate that style. That even happens within a marriage, right? And he brings us together. And, and it's, it's through some of this that, that God just begins this work of changing us. This term, helper and fit, very important, like opposite. And so God creates marriage. And what we see here is that, is that God put Adam to sleep. He just put him in a lazy boy, kicked, back the t- kicked it back, turned on, the, turned on uh, NASCAR, put a remote in his hand. <laughs> I know that's not even there, but like I sleep when I watch NASCAR. It's like puts me right to sleep. I, I'm just, I don't know how he did it, but he put Adam to sleep and what we read is that God created Eve from Adam. And there's something that I want want us to think about this. Two things. Adam met God before Adam met Eve. Adam knew who he was in God before he ever met Eve. In fact, we see God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Adam didn't know what he didn't know. But I would also say this, what we see here in scripture is that Eve met God before she met Adam. Adam was asleep and she was created. In fact, we don't know where God took Eve, but God had to bring Eve to Adam. And I just wanna pause this, this might be just a stretch, but that, just bear with me. In a godly marriage, it's very important that, that, that as husbands and wives, we don't find our identity in the other. Because if there are marriage struggles that come, if heaven forbid uh, divorce or whatever that takes place, we are destroyed. Listen to me, Adam knew who he was in God before Eve ever showed up and Eve knew who she was in God before she ever met Adam. That's just like free. You don't even have to give extra for that. That was like, I just threw that. I, th- I, th- I, th- I threw, that, threw that in there. But, but, but what, I, what I see here is, is in verses 18 through 23, it's a wedding. 
It's God the Father. He's walking Eve. It says that God brought Eve to Adam. It's, it's the father walking the bride down the aisle. And listen, man, you don't need farmersonly.com. I mean, when God sets you up, it's going to last. You know what I'm saying? This is good. God introduces to, to, to Adam. And, and, and man, look, look what Adam does. What does Adam do? Adam bursts forth into song. And I would just say this, like, I'm going to give you like little tools when you're studying scripture. Like if you're, if you're reading through Scripture, and like, like somebody asked me, what version do you preach out of? I preach out of normally the English Standard Version, not because like it's the best, I just like it myself, but, but most versions are like this. Anytime, you know, you'll have the, the text centered, anytime that you have the, the text, it's centered, it's not like justified or anything like that. Anytime that, that it's, it's centered, it's, it's either poetry or song. Somebody is actually, like it's artistic expression. The very first song that we see in scriptures right here in Genesis chapter two, literally, th- this, is, this is Adam. And I'm just gonna interpret what he said. Man, we, we read it. He said, wow, you're the one I've been looking for all my life. And you're like, well, man, you just created. It doesn't matter. All my life, I've been looking for you. I, I can just hear, you know, like Brian Adams and Barbara Streisand singing together. I finally found someone. You know, I can hear that. That's like, Adam is just like, he's singing, man. He's bringing it. He just burst forth. This is amazing. And if we end it here in verse 23, it's like, dude, this is, this is great. God has created marriage. Let's go make this happen. But it doesn't end there. We go on, look at verse 24. Because here in verse 24, it's one of the most quoted passages of the Old Testament. It shows up time and time again. Jesus comes back and quotes this. Paul quotes this. Other writers quote this. Verse 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And so whoever is writing this account, they weren't there at the first wedding. It's somebody looking back under the influence, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They're, they're actually claiming that God didn't just create marriage. They're also saying that God has a design for marriage. So let me explain this. How many of you guys know what Legos are? Like, I've got a kid right now. You like Legos? All right, man. Okay, you got a front row seat to this. This is amazing. Okay, so first of all, Legos uh, are these little things that if you step on them in the middle of the night, you will literally want to kill somebody. Um, But no, you know, Legos, man, are so creative. Kids, man, it's it's great for kids to use them and all this. So so I want to take this whole, whole concept. Lori and I didn't know what we didn't know when we got married, right? We both follow Jesus, and we're like, hey, let's just figure this out. We want to do the best thing we can with the information we've got. Let's build it. And you know, we, we hear that phrase, if you dream it, you can achieve it. And so, so we've, got, we've got, you know, all these, all these different Lego pieces and all this. And so here's the thing, man. In, in a person's head, we can come up with some pretty good ideas. We can't. Like, I, my, my brother was a huge Lego guy, and he loved putting stuff together. Man, he would build, like, all these, these crazy things. But my brother always, first, when he would get a new Lego set, he wanted to build what the original designer had intended. Now, here's the thing. You can, we can build anything. That's the nice thing about Lego. You, you can put things together, and you might come up with some pretty, pretty cool ideas. But, for example, 
Right here, what I've got is the Batmobile. Lego Batman. You know, I, so I told somebody, the only thing that's better than Legos is Lego Batman. You know, that, that is just amazing. But, but, but here's the deal. We've, we've, got, we've got this, this manual. Now, you can dump all of the pieces out and, and you can begin to put whatever it is, you can, you can put it together and, and you'll come up with something. But can I tell you something? It's not going to be this. There's a, there's a very specific plan in place. It's a step-by-step plan by which if you'll go step one to, well, this is just the first manual. That's step 144. I don't know how many steps are in this, this bad boy. You'll end up with a Batmobile. Now, here's, here's what we've done many times when it comes to marriage. We've spilled out the, the Legos and we've ignored the plan. In fact, many of us totally miss the fact that there's a plan. Now, I want you to listen to me. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Isaiah says this. His ways are higher than our ways. I would say that his ideas and his plans for marriage, his design for marriage is better than your design. It's better than my design. I would actually go a step further. The reason why we many times have so much junk and, and dysfunction in our marriages, and, and I've been there, I've been a big part of this, is because I'm following my plan, putting together my ideas for, for what I think is good. And I've, I've, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not paying attention to the manual. Guys, do not miss this. In verse 24, if this was the only verse that referred to marriage, which it's not, the only verse that referred to, to marriage, this would be some good stuff right here. There are three things that God tells us to do that are elements of his design for marriage. And I want you to write this down because I'm gonna go to meddling just for a second, all right? I just, I'm gonna, this, like, like if I'm gonna tick somebody off, we're gonna do it right here, right now. Let's just, let's have some fun with this. Number one, he says, leave your parents. Leave your parents. Now, I, I, I wanna be faithful to the historical context. Like when this is originally written, the first people that read this knew that, that for instance, in, in, in Israelite culture, like when you got married, it wasn't a geographical leaving necessarily because many times the family stayed together. You just build another room onto the, the, the family house. Family stayed together. So it wasn't a geographical thing. It was something I think more important. It was the fact that, that you are starting your own family. Yes, you're part of an extended family, but you're starting a family. There is behavioral, behavioral independence from your parents. And so I'm all just, just listen to me. If you are a mother-in-law or a father-in-law, for the sake of God, listen to me. <laughs> Dad, when you gave your daughter away to be married, you, you stopped being the number one man in your, in your daughter's life. I had, I had a friend, I know a guy who's a pastor, and he said when, he, when he, he, uh, he did the whole thing of, man, here's what it means to, you know, when you give away your daughter, this is part of, part of the ceremony. And he said, who gives this woman to be married? And the guy, the guy was silent. He's like, are you going to say it? He's like, no, because he said, I don't agree. He said, I'm always going to be the number one man in my daughter's life. <laughs> here's, what, here's what my buddy told him. He said, you'll either say yes or we're not doing this ceremony. Hello, that's an awkward wedding. Like, <laughs> But no, listen, dads, when you give, when, when you give your, your daughter away to be married, you're not the n number one, and, and quit trying to be that number one. You're not in competition with her husband. If you're doing that, you're way outside God's design of marriage. Mother-in-law. <laughs> Dude, whew. I'm starting to 
sweat. Anybody else starting to sweat? I just, what's going on here? God did not design you to be Marie Barone from Everybody Loves Raymond. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Do I need to say anything else? Now listen, are, are, are you called to, to, to be, to be uh, a consultant? Man, sure. You should be, be, be a consultant to your, to your kids. When they come to you, stay out of meddling. You're like, well, I don't want them to make mistakes. I don't want, you know what? You know what? God sanctifies us sometimes through our mistakes. And there's been way, way too much damage done by meddling in-laws. Stop it. There needs to be a behavioral independence. Leave your parents. There's an emotional independence a transfer in allegiance. There's, there's a financial independence. Mm, I just won't keep moving. Um, <laughs> does, does this mean that, man, there are going to be times we go through things. Thank God for family. Thank God for family. Man, there have been, been times my parents are here today. So I, I got to say this, you know. <laughs> I've been really thankful that there have been times, man, where, man, when I, I've given dad a call or whatever, pray for me or help, they, they've been there. But, but, but there's something about leaving. It has to happen. You have to leave. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't love your parents or your parents are no longer part of your life. No, because the scripture is very clear. Honor your father and your mother. That, that it's, it's Actually, it's the first commandment with promise that all may be good with you in the land. But, but, but when it comes to marriage, you have to leave. Number two, you have to, this is this term, uh, this, this term, hold fast. You have to unite with your spouse. And, and, and I'm just going to hit this quickly and, and move forward, but this is literally talking about, uh, this has to do with your loyalties. You now, you've transferred your loyalty. The, the, the person that you married is now the most important person in your life. They're more important than your job, your career. Here's, here's where people push back. They're more important than your kids. And you're like, whoa, no, whoa, no. God's given us kids. To, yeah, he's given them to both of you. But can I tell you that when, when, a, when a husband and wife don't, see, don't view each other as the most important person in the world, it creates dysfunction even within the home. It creates competitors out of a husband and wife. We weren't called to competition. We were called to collaboration. We're called to hold fast to one another. And I know that's not popular preaching because what I've seen is we put a lot of time and emphasis on our kids. And, and guys, it's, it's one of the most unfortunate things. When the kids leave the home, the parents look at each other and say, now what do we do? Because we really don't know each other. I'm just telling you, man, it's, it's not like God's, God's holding out on us. He's, he's given us some, some instructions. Leave your parents. Hold fast. But, but then, I, I, I would, man, I'm, I'm going to say something else when it comes to unite with your spouse. Um, this also means that we have their back. You know what I don't have a lot of time for? Our husbands that enjoy making fun of their wives. I, I, don't, think that's pretty, I don't think that's very funny. Where you're dogging them and you find ways to, to, uh, you know what I don't think funny is when, when wives are always putting down their husbands. 
Yeah, I wish you were like this guy. I wish you did that. That that is not at all what God intended. And I know that I know, I know that you're like, well, you're just you know, it's just your interpretation, guys. I, I, let's break this down. Come on, seriously. Now, do we all screw up? Yeah, I remember one time uh, Lori and I were at somebody's house. We were playing games, and she did something, and I thought it was hilarious, and I made fun of her. I made a sarcastic comment, and I got the look. And you know what I'm talking about. You guys, yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. And I ignored the look. Yeah. You feel the cool breeze is blowing through here right now. I, and I said it again, and she was sitting by me. We were playing on opposite teams, but underneath the table, she, with that knuckle, got me right there on the side. I'm like, ah! Like nobody else knew. She like she did it. Nobody even knew she did it. She's like, hey, she's amazing at that. I'm like, <laughs> so we get in the car and run our way home. And I said, "Don't you ever do anything like that again." And she goes, "Yeah, don't you ever do what you did to me again. I will be respected." I'm like, "Point taken. We're good. We're good. We're good." <laughs> now that no, you know, it's we we get this right. You see, when, I, when, I, when we're talking about holding fast, it's a death blow to self. How many of you would love to be part of a marriage? I'm not gonna ask for a raise of hands because that might imply to the person sitting next to you that you don't think this is you, so I'm not, we're not going down that road. But, but how many of you would love to be part of a marriage where the other person cared more about you than they did about themselves? Come on, man. That's, that's where it's at. This is why God's designed a marriage. He said, he said, hey, leave your parents. You gotta do what you gotta do, but hold fast. The, the, the King James Version used that old word cleave. Leave and cleave. Cleave. Hold to one another. And then it lasts, it just says this, become one. Become one. And I, I, I love that whole idea of becoming one. And it speaks to, to an intimacy on a, on a, different, on a, on a, on a, on a different level. This, this refers to emotional intimacy. It refers to, to physical intimacy. But can I tell you, for followers of Jesus Christ, it refers to spiritual intimacy. There, there, there is a wholeness that takes place. There's something powerful that, that happens when we become one. When we understand that, that if we just even go back to, to Genesis chapter two, man, that, that, that out from the side has been scooped out. A spouse, we are like opposite. We fit together. We complete one another. We become one. The number one threat, we're gonna hit this next week because we're gonna look at the fall and what takes place in Genesis chapter three and, and, and the junk that we've had to encounter ever since. And we're gonna talk about how God can take us past this. But, but, but I think it's important for us to acknowledge that the number one threat to marriage is consumerism. I want what I want, I like it, I want this, I want that. And we fail to realize that God has given us all the different pieces, but he hasn't stopped there. He's given us the design to live this, to create a godly home. And I would say this, I've, I've, gotta, I've, gotta, bring this, I've gotta bring this to a close. The beauty, the, the beauty of this intimacy is, you, know, you read verse 25, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And we read that and we're like, yeah, it means that 
You know, they're married, so now, you know, they can do what married people do. That's awesome. Oh, that's great. Um, that's not what it totally means, though there's, that's part of that. When, when we read that, that's a very, very significant because almost every other place where it speaks of nakedness in Scripture, it's spoken about within a shameful context. It wasn't until the Greeks, the whole, you know, just... You know, thousands of years later, that we that we get to the place where you know they they can even talk about this publicly. Like for the for the Hebrew culture, they they that was it was very shameful. Like when you read later in Genesis that that Noah's nakedness was uncovered, that like that's not a good thing. That's a really bad thing. There's shame that's with this. But what we see is that what God created and what God designed. Once God's design is lived out, it literally removes the stigma of shame. It, there's actually a wholeness. There's a spiritual wholeness. There's a physical wholeness. There's an, an emotional wholeness that, that takes place when we follow God's design for marriage. And, 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 and guys, I, I don't want to, this is a rabbit trail that I'm not going to go down today. But much of the dysfunction in our families is that we have shame in our marriages. And that shame is contributed by, to by sins of, of either spouse. There are regrets and shame. For, for some of us, it, it's, not, it's not that you're not in Christ. It's not that you're new in Christ. It's not that you haven't been forgiven. It's the fact that there's a shame that continues. And, I, I, and we're gonna talk about this next week. I want you to know that God wants to deliver us from shame. What his plan does is that we can live free from shame. And you see, as I close, there's a reason God created marriage, why he has his design for marriage, and it might not be what you think it is, but I want you to understand that God also has a purpose for marriage. Ephesians chapter five, verse 31, Paul verbatim quotes Genesis 2.18. He, he quotes it, verbatim in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 where verse 31 where he says therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast his wife the two shall become one but then he clarifies he, he brings some understanding when in verse 32 he says this mystery is profound what mystery is profound why God did this why God created marriage why would he do it why, why would his design be this he says this mystery is profound and I am saying that it refers to Christ and his church which is crazy because all of a sudden, when he, when he, in that short little verse, when he says, this is why marriage is created, it raises the significance of marriage. You see, God's purpose for marriage, if you wanna write this down, his big purpose for marriage is this. Marriage is to serve as a living witness to God's love for and his commitment to his people. In the Old Testament, God the Father refers to himself as the bridegroom. This whole idea, even unfaithfulness throughout the Old Testament, is almost, it's almost always couched in the language of a marriage, adultery. He says, when you rebel against me, it's, you're, you're an adulterer. It's, it's weird that, that this theme is literally found from the very beginning, this whole concept of marriage, to the very end. It flows through there. 
And what? What Paul is saying, he's, he's introduced the fact that now we're, we're in the New Testament. Jesus Christ, who's, who's God the Son, he is the husband, the bride. You know who the bride is? It's you and me. We are the bride of Christ. And what we see, Paul puts it all together when he says that marriage was created to illustrate Christ's relationship to his bride, his love for his commitment to you and me. And what this means, this comes back and it underscores what I said at the very beginning. One of the most powerful witnesses to our culture today, one of the most powerful witnesses of the gospel is a godly marriage. Because when we see a godly marriage, we can begin to understand the commitment that Christ has for us. And we understand within that context that he is not merely given us gracious and wonderful promises. He has given us himself. That's how much he loves us. And so next week, we're gonna look at the fall. We're gonna break down some junk that gets in families that messes us up. And we're gonna look at what scripture says in response to that. And I believe that God's gonna help us to grow and move forward and, and, and take some next steps that we need to take. And so Father, as we close our time today, we thank you so much for the incredible blessing that you've given to us, a family. Every single person here today, whether they're married, unmarried, we're all part of a family. In some way, we're, if for nothing else, maybe everybody close to us has died, we're part of your family. And God, that, there's a reason why you've used this analogy for us. And so God, I'm praying that as we understand your purpose for family, we understand your purpose for marriage. God, it would, first of all, it raises the significance of, of, of our commitment to this as we understand that we are actually a witness of the gospel itself. And Lord, I'm praying that you would continue to work in us, change us. Dear God, if we need to take next steps, Lord, we're gonna line up with your design. And God, for what you're gonna continue to do for your people, we'll thank you for this. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. guys, see you tonight, 4 p.m. for next steps. You're dismissed. Have a great day.